Welcome to Diabetes Technology Report, co-hosted by endocrinologist David Klonoff from UCSF and David Kerr from Sutter Health. Hello, welcome to Diabetes Technology Report podcast. I'm David Klonoff, endocrinologist at Sutter Health and UCSF, and we have a special guest today. Uh, my co-moderator, David Kerr, will introduce himself and will introduce our guest. Welcome, everyone, and uh, it's great that you can join us, and it's a real pleasure to welcome Jorge Quadros. Jorge, um, we know you very well, but I just want to make sure that all our listeners are aware of your background and where are you working at the moment. Sure. So my name is Jorge Quadros, and I'm the Director of Informatics Research at the in the Department of Optometry Vision Science at University of California, Berkeley. And I'm also CEO of IPAX Incorporated, a diabetic retinopathy screening program that's been around since 2003. Great. Well, welcome. Um, when I was um, doing my training, I used to do a, a retinal clinic with an ophthalmologist, and he was so passionate. He said that the eye was the gateway to the soul. Why did you, or how did you come to get interested in retinopathy and all things related to the eye? Yeah, um, I was interested in telemedicine since 1993, but in particular with diabetic retinopathy, because even though there's effective treatments, it remains the main cause of blindness among working age adults. And it's because of a lack of appropriate detection and follow-up um, into the ophthalmologist's office for treatment. So that's what really got me interested in it. And then over the years, through the work that we've done with artificial intelligence, we're finding that, in fact, yes, it's, it truly is the window to, to uh, so many other things that are happening in the body. So even things that humans can't see in a retinal image can be detected with artificial intelligence and some of the new discoveries and innovations that we're coming across. Jorge, could you explain what is artificial intelligence and how is it applied to your work screening for diabetic retinopathy? So artificial intelligence has been around for a long, long time, but because of developments in computing power, um, and resources that have become available. Uh, it's now becoming much more possible to use different artificial intelligence methods, particular neural networks, uh, artificial neural networks, in order to detect and diagnose uh, diseases, uh, one of them being diabetic retinopathy. In fact, that was the first disease that was used that where artificial intelligence um, was able to detect um, diseases. Jorge, how accurate is artificial intelligence when it comes to diagnosing retinopathy? So back in 2015, uh, with the help of the California Healthcare Foundation, we did a uh, competition. We put 50,000 retinal images with diabetic retinopathy, some without to see how accurately people around the world 
teams around the world could develop um, their artificial intelligence algorithms within three months. Um, hundreds of teams were already outperforming humans in being able to detect diabetic retinopathy. Um, so the sensitivity and specificity for um, AI-driven uh, programs is, is better than humans looking at retinal images. The only catch is that they sometimes require better quality images than what's generally available in a real-world setting. And that has been something that's restricted, uh, just autonomous artificial intelligence uh, in doing large-scale screening programs. So going forward, your, your focus has been on diabetes and retinopathy and the different kinds of retinopathy and loss of vision. But have you, are you starting to see insights into other disease processes, other diseases where the retina can be a true gateway to the soul? Yes. Um, in fact, there's been some new algorithms uh, being developed um, that were trained with electronic medical record data to be able to partition retinas based on other uh, diseases, such as kidney disease or liver disease, um, with really great results. So when a human is looking at a retina, it's difficult to know if there's active kidney disease or to even be able to stage the kidney disease. But the algorithms are able to do that effectively. Um, very accurately. Um, so cardiovascular disease, liver disease, um, cognitive disorders, uh, there's a rich area of research where algorithms are being developed to be able to detect those conditions just <clears throat> from a retinal image alone. That is astonishing. So is are we getting into... Alzheimer's disease detection, yeah, things like that. That's right. Yeah. And um, not only that, <clears throat> so looking for these biomarkers in the retina is pretty well established. Um, but what about other parts of the eye? Um, so we've been working, in fact, Google published an article recently uh, about external images, so images of the outside of the eye being able to detect liver disease and kidney disease and cardiovascular disease, all of those. Um, and sure enough, uh, there are unknown biomarkers, unknown to us, to humans, um, that are used by the algorithms to be able to detect these diseases. So you could imagine that maybe in a few years, just with a smartphone taking a picture of the front of the eye, you'll be able to detect um, the need for seeing a physician. Jorge, you, you run an organization, IPAX. Could you explain what is IPAX? So IPAX was, started as a telemedicine-based um, uh, service where retinal cameras are, are put into primary care organizations. Images are captured of patients. Up until now, it's been mostly diabetic patients, but that's been broadening. Um, for the purpose of early detection and triage of patients that have sight-threatening conditions. Um, IPAX is a turnkey service for that. 
uh, providing the cameras, the expertise, the ophthalmologists, optometrists that read the images, and um, all of the training and, and quality assurance that the primary care clinics uh, would need. But we've also been involved in a lot of research to develop these algorithms um, and uh, looking for ways where technology can improve access to care, can reduce healthcare disparities, uh, especially in vulnerable populations. I imagine part of your uh, approach is to screen people without having to have a physician uh, at the at the site. Uh, how easy or likely is it that a person can be screened without having to have their pupils dilated? Right. So almost all of the images are captured without pupil dilation. So the technology is continuing to advance. It's getting easier and easier to capture images. We always have to keep an eye out for image quality and and to assure that we're not just you know producing uh, images that aren't able to to detect the things that uh, either humans or the algorithms can uh, can detect. So quality assurance is also is always a big piece of this. But the technology is improving, um, getting smaller, getting more portable and more accessible, less costly. So I would imagine in a few years it'll be readily available anywhere, maybe um, uh, at home. Uh, one interesting area of development is an autonomous image capture. So essentially, you just put a kiosk, a patient walks up, gets their picture captured, you know, the retina captured. It's, it's getting to be that easy. One of the features, just going back to diabetes in the eye, is that we know that retinopathy is not rigid, that it's a fluid um, disease process in the eye. Some progress, some stay the same, some regress. In terms of what you're doing, are we now able to stratify people into risk of progression and then change the frequency of the screening and then suggest, you know, different interventions that might be helpful in terms of risk reduction. Are we at that sort of place already? I would say so. So we can we can track patients over time. And it's always interesting to see how some patients who have not controlled their blood sugar very well don't progress. They have very little retinopathy, even after years. And then others are much more susceptible to, to changes in their blood sugar. And um, up until now, just based on an image alone, humans have not been able to detect that, but algorithms have. Um, so that's another area of research is to be able to predict um, the rate of change in retinopathy just based on a single retinal image. Jorge, it's important to diagnose retinopathy so people are eligible for screening. How successful are your programs and others' programs in actually convincing people to go in and receive treatment, such as laser treatment. So glad you brought up that point. And it's the, the most important part of the research that we're doing is how to close the loop and ensure that someone who's tested and is found to have site-threatening condition actually gets treated. And for that, um, it's a much more complex 
uh, communication system with the specialists and, and the networks and the eligibility verification and finding out, well, you know, how long can they wait being able to stage the, the, um, the referrals? Uh, there's a lot of social determinants of health to overcome and just logistics in general. Um, and, you know, it's encouraging that the immediate results of an algorithm really help a lot in getting patients into care. If you're able to do the test and immediately get the results, it's much more likely that you can engage with the patients uh, in order for them to to take the next step in the, in their treatment. And with AI, you can get them the results right. immediately, right? Whereas with typical telemedicine systems, you have to wait for the consultant to be become available. And sometimes by that time, the patient's already gone and thinking about something else. Well, Jorge, thank you for speaking to us from UC Berkeley. Uh, this has been an enlightening podcast. Uh, this completes the podcast. For listeners, you can find Diabetes Technology Report on Spotify, the Apple Store, Diabetes Technology website. And uh, for me and Dr. David Kerr and Dr. Jorge Quadros, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you at the next Diabetes Technology Report. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.